Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Um, okay, let's get stuck straight into podcast number seven. We've got an opening question there to kick us off from Caleb Meller. It's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's an easily answered question. Phil Coutinho. Who would you prefer? Oh, uh, would you prefer peak of career Torres or peak of career Suarez? Ooh, I think I'd go for peak of career Suarez. Yeah, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's because he's better. Because he's a much better footballer. Yeah, I like, I I I love Fernando Torres, and I guess the, there's probably a lot of people out there who for whom Torres will have been the first love. Yeah, um, he was my almost last love in some regards. Um, and because he jilted me so badly. It's weird, isn't it? Because, let's face it, Suarez was probably as much of a prick, if not more of a prick than Torres. Um, he's not a prick, though. Is that, well, no, no, but he's, he's agitating, like, you know, agitating for moves. Um, but we forgive Suarez because he was just He sh- left the country so as well, good. Paul. Yeah. It makes a big difference yeah. to me. Yeah, well, exactly. When you go to Barcelona and you go and win titles and Champions yeah. Leagues and all that, then and you, you kind of go... Chelsea. When you go to Chelsea and you're shit. Pisses me off. Um, then, yeah, it's... Uh, Look, ultimately for me, Suarez is a better player anyway. You know, there are teams that Torres in his peak would suit. I'm not sure Liverpool's a team that he would particularly suit yeah. right now, whereas I think Suarez can change games. Perfect for us right now. Suarez. Hmm. Suarez would be perfect for us right now, and I don't think Torres would be. And you know, you, you know, they might might both have become the best striker in the world while they were at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Arguably, I think both actually did achieve that, but one of them would fit into our team and one wouldn't, and that's yeah. what it kind of comes down to. Exactly, I think the Torres is more in the mould of a Owen or a, a Rush or a Fowler, or whatever. Whereas. Suarez falls into the category of your of your Daglishes and your Keegans, I think, you know, those guys who are just so good at football that they're the best player. Not just the best player in your team, they're the best player on the pitch at any given time and probably the best player in the in the league and up there with the best in the world, yeah. Um, and so, uh, look, f- from, you know, we went to Anfield a lot when Suarez was there, we went a lot when Suarez was there. Uh, Suarez's stand-up memories, there are a lot more of them. Mm. Uh, and it was like every single game. Yeah. There was there was something that he'd done that you've never seen anyone do with a football before. Yeah. Torres never had that. He was a great finisher of the ball. Yeah. But he never had the consistency of wow moments yeah. that Torres had. We also had to I get I guess sit through that last half season of Torres as well when he came back from the World Cup and he wasn't right and his it looked like his pace had gone and he looked unhappy and all that. So there was a defo win and a defo yeah, it, it taints your memories of players as well when they go out when they go out that way. Because even like Michael Owen, 
you know, he he was he was still really good when we got when we got rid of him. Whereas the fact that we got to see Torres kind of fall away, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you can, be, and I, it's not part of the question, I guess, because you're talking peak Torres. Uh, but you're right. I think if you put peak Torres in this team now, I think he struggled the way that Daniel Sturridge has struggled, and I think he struggled the way that Divock Origi struggled to some extent. So no, you're right. Whereas I think peak career Suarez, I think non-peak career Suarez. If I'm perfectly honest, like Suarez in five years' time, it'll come in and be amazing in this team so yeah uh, but thanks very much for your question Caleb we'll do more questions later on in the pod um, for those of you who are joining us on the RedmenTV.com in video form there's a nice way for you no way for you podcast listeners um, <laughs> I, did, I did wave but you'll, you, you, you wouldn't have known <laughs> if I had mentioned know. it you might be lying there's only one way to find out go to the RedmenTV.com subscribe um, first and foremost topic wise Brendan Rogers, congratulations uh, to no, him no I'm not having that you're let's not having so, congratulations. Let's talk about the derby first before we talk about Brendan Rodgers winning the SPFL. Yes, yeah. be asked. I'm done with the derby if I'm honest. No, I, I don't not at all. Not at all. Over over Brendan Rodgers winning the SPFL. Yeah. This is a Liverpool podcast, Paul. Yeah. And we're here to talk about Liverpool. And the last game we played is the derby, so we will talk about the derby and then we will talk about Brendan Rodgers. Okay. What do you want to say about the derby? It was fucking amazing. I love stuffing Everton all over the place, especially when it's so easy. Mm. You know what I mean? And and, and like they just they were so crap and they had no idea whatsoever about how to go about playing Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. That's what Everton Liverpool derby should be about. We put them in their place. We played them the way that we wanted to play them. We let their players fail. All their big players that they've been absolutely banging on about for weeks now. Tom Davies, he's got a 70% win percentage this year, <laughs> you know, 2017. There was actually people, my brother was on the comments of these combined 11s going, giving shit to Liverpool fans. Yeah. He's got a 70% win percentage in 2017. What's Phil Coutinho's? Doesn't really matter. I love that. Doesn't lo- really matter, I love does that. it, like, right? yeah, I love the, the, the shrinking of the sample range to, uh, to, to make to a point. To your own point. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And where was he at the start of the season? Was he playing in the under-23s at that point? He's probably trying to find a pair of socks that fit him. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I, um, I if it, the, Yeah, you know, and that, that's the thing. What the derby is that it was... I said I think I said this in a number of places, but it's it was just inevitable, you know. What once we got that first goal, even though they got the equaliser, at no point did I feel as though they were going to damage us in any way. And to be fair, you know, they had the chance with is it a three-one when Holgate hits the the shot into the yeah. flat, did a minion, makes save. a really good save. Um, I couldn't you know, could have made things very different. It was one or two little moments where you go. <gasps> You know, like there's a ball across the box here and there, but um, by and large, you know, it, it, and it's been said, it's been said all over the place. It's not just by me, but I don't feel like Liverpool ever really had to pull out all the stops to get a get a result there. I, I genuinely felt like if they'd managed to get another goal, we'd have just gone and scored another one, and we just and, I, and I'm not sure we'd ever will have had to have gone completely all out to them because. They, they didn't get the, the team selection right. They didn't get the team tactics right. They didn't get the, their their mentality right. We had we had them beaten the second they walked onto the pitch. It was and, and you know, if you're not a subscriber to Redmond TV, you can just see me smiling along because everything the ball said there makes me really happy. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, like I can say we've 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 done a load of derby coverage. If you want to watch more of it, you can do. Final word show was 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 an absolute belter on the website. Um, obviously this. Falls weirdly because we've got a midweek game, so we're going to kind of skirt around, not to talk too much about the derby, not to talk too much about the upcoming game. So people can obviously, if you if you if you listen to this on Thursday or Friday and you're thinking, oh, is this out of date? It's not because we're just going to pretend it didn't happen. Um, so instead, we're going to congratulate Brendan Rodgers on winning the SPFL. Um, I think there's a, there's a very easy temptation, Chris, to go. 
but it's only Scotland and it is only a one team they're only a one team league by all accounts and that's all that's all absolutely true I don't think there was ever any, any doubt that he was going to win it um, but I think the style in which he's done it I think that's that's the thing that's pleased I think Celtic fans more than anything else he's come in he's got them playing with a swagger they're, un, they're unbeaten as of you know as of today um, they could go unbeaten all season and that's that's a, a prize in and of itself. Yeah, it is. It's it's commendable. It, it truly is. And look, he's walked into a league that tactically hasn't changed since the seventies, <laughs> and he's brought some new ideas. It kind of was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't help yourself, could you? No. Um, no. Fair play to him. Like I say, it's um, when you I look at managers who've been given big opportunities, and where your next career move is defines the rest of your career. You look at David Moyes, yeah, who's gone to Sunderland and made the prick of himself. And then has now basically alluded to to went to, to made sl- a prick of well yeah as well, but no but, but, yeah true actually yeah but it's it's that thing of you, you can see those decisions being made and what Brendan you can for for all the cri- being critical of you know of, of, the Scottish, of the Scottish football exactly mate you know and this is the thing it's not and I'm not saying this doesn't mean Brendan Rodgers is capable of coming back in and being a competitive top six top seven English Premier League manager maybe that maybe that'll happen one one day you know maybe the Chelsea job will come up in a few years time and he'll be he'll be bang ready for it but he'll get to play win it the experience of winning trophies that's the thing that he 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 just didn't have, and there's only so much, only inspirational talks you can give when inevitably someone turns around and goes, "Mate, you're five foot tall and you used to manage Swansea." You know why? You know I've been playing international football for 15 years. What have you? You know who are you to tell? Who are you tell me what to do? Yeah, um, if he's got, if he's got an invincible season on his CV, people will listen to him, mate. And that's it. I mean, people, I say, can criticise all you want, but that's it. that for me. If nothing else, is a smart, was a smart move. And if he because and if he's able to do something like that, I don't think it's dependent upon this. But if he's able to do that, if he's able to create some interesting records and make a little bit of a name, so it's not just the standard. Because people are throwing out all the Celtic manager names of the past who've won the Scottish League titles, and it, it's, it doesn't make for it's not a list of the greatest managers ever yeah, to manage in the game. But it's about what he does. What he does, there he goes and wins a few league titles on the bounce, and then I tell you what, it's not. It's you know, I I don't know whether this will be his career trajectory at all. I don't know whether this is what he's thinking. But first of all, he could make himself a Celtic legend by going and beating the nine. Yeah, of of Rangers, couldn't he? Yeah, you know, it's not that it's not inconceivable that he could stay there for the next three years and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or he could open up another type of a job offer for himself. Why not go to a league where? It's almost exactly the same in terms of standard of competition, but you go and win a league with Porto or Benfica, yeah. and all of a sudden you're actually talked about in European terms as being one of those great managers. Yeah. Yet, really, it's still just a two-team league in the same way that Scotland is. Now, the other competition yeah. might be slightly better. I wouldn't know, to be perfectly honest with you. There's definitely but more competition could, in the Portuguese league. He but, yeah. could go and do something like that, yeah. win it at a canter probably just yeah. as easily, and then he's talked about for one of the actual yeah. really really big jobs. So it's, it's, it seems like a really clever thing to, yeah, have, thing to have done. Because you're right, because the natural people go, you'll be, be getting linked with championship jobs. And you're like, well, no, because the championship is even more competitive in, in a different way. Of course, than, than, it's a similar type of competitive to the Premier League. You've got a lot of clubs with a lot, with, with more money than the most and the pressure on to succeed. You know, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It'd be interesting to see what he does. But ultimately, for me, I've never wished Brendan Rodgers any ill alarm. You know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the vast majority of his time as a Liverpool yeah. manager. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a smashing fella, loves his footy. 
has a great vision for how football should be played. Um, and you know, so yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad when you look at like the Roy Hodgson stuff and you think, oh, God, literally, I would I would struggle to throw a bucket of piss and my own piss on that man if he was on fire. That's that's an exaggeration. Um, I've got I, I I wish I want to see Roy Hodgson fail because I want to see the facade smash down. Um, Brendan Rodgers, sound mate, you yeah. know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm oh, shit. Uh, yeah, please do watch the video. I've just tried to put my elbow down on something and completely missed. It's your um, second second fail today, actually, fair, isn't it? Yeah, just just since I've been in the office. Um, Phil Neville, uh, before we get on to Liverpool, Chris scrambles around for the tweets on his phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is you know yeah this is a Liverpool podcast, but we thought it's always worth having a laugh at people that we don't like on Twitter. Yeah, old Fizzer eighteen on Twitter. Fizzer eighteen, what a tit. Um Yeah, Phil Neville did a, a Twitter Q and A, and it came up with some interesting responses. It, yeah, it came back and bit him on his ass. To be perfectly honest with you, Paul. So James Dames at forty eight Colossus said, "Are there any players you take at United that play for Liverpool? Who and why?" Now he didn't get the question really because he just answered the who, but not the why. But he put Henderson. Needless to say, you need to go and find this. This tweet came out on at Fizzer 18's timeline on Monday night. Um, there are around about 800 comments to, mm. to pick from with the United fans just absolutely fuming at him. First one, iconic number seven. This is why you're not a coach at United anymore. Then someone jumped on the back. Exactly. You could have said Coutinho or Mane and chooses Henderson. Um, another guy says, you've spelt Mane wrong. <laughs> Which, you know, I can't really argue with that, to be honest with you. Um, uh, now, and then other people just like, funny now, Phil, tweet the real answer. And... Uh, it's just really funny and people need to go and look at that because Phil Neville getting laughed at by Man United fans, mm. it, it just he's just universally hated, isn't he? And I kind of like that about him. Yeah, because when you said it, I thought it, it was like, must have been because it was because the Liverpool question. I wonder whether it was an Everton one that he was doing specifically or something like that. Like, But you forget, I almost forget about his time at Man United. It's weird, he was so... And look, he's probably got so many so many medals you know, from his time there, but he was so inconsequential at that football club. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one. Maybe that we're discussing this at the weekend because we've been doing this um, all-time Premier League eleven thing on over on Ball Street every uh, every Friday, and how some footballers with the with the gift of time it becomes accepted that they were really good, but over you know when you at the time no one rated them. And I was thinking about Gary Neville and how it's completely accepted that Gary Neville is the best Premier League right-back of all time. And yet, at no point during his time as a right-back, in any given season, did anyone think he was the best right-back in the league at that point. Everyone would have looked around that time and gone, he's not that good. And it was that thing of having all of the English opposition kind of fall away from him, you know, Rob Jones having his injury problems, etc, etc. And like, you know, it's one of those, it's weird how that happens with football sometimes, isn't it? That he was never... I really did, I, I disagree, just from the fact that I really did think he was the best right-back in the league. And now, maybe that wasn't a, a, a universally accepted opinion, but I can't comment on it, because yeah. I actually did. Mm. But it's mad. It's one of those things, isn't it? You remember? I just remember at the time, and everyone, you know, at the time, every every other club would have been like, everyone's like, what, you know, what? He's not. He just what? Because he just wasn't that good. It, he was. He played. He, he where where he came out on top was being there, being consistently there for a long for a long period of time. As you look at. Look at an Ashley Cole on the other side, or something like that, and look what he look what he could do in that position. Yeah, it always makes it always rankles me that. That's 
the galley, galley, the galley level thing. Like clearly knows his footy. You know what I mean? He's clearly no, he's clearly no slouch, and he was never shit. But it's funny that you know I, I love the way that happens over the time because because he got to play ten or fifteen seasons. You can't, you can never discount him against the guys who maybe had two good seasons here or there and that, that kind of thing. I think that, you know the the thing for me that made him a great right back was that first and foremost he was a, an amazing tackler. Like a great defender, uh, but you, I can't believe I'm, I'm quite shocked that you think that that's a normal thing for for people to think that about Gary Level because all people used to talk about was his link up play with David Beckham and that right hand side being the best right hand side in the country, and he was part of that. And you know, watching Manchester United play, and we used to talk about the waves and waves of attack. It wasn't just Beckham and Giggs; it, it was the fullbacks as well. Yeah. You know, and Gary Neville was a massive part of that. He'd never really make mistakes at the back either. You know, he was consistent in his performances, but we're not talking seven out of ten performances. I think we're talking eight, nines out of ten. Could whip a ball into the box as well. So for me, I, I find it quite strange. But you know, that, that's your opinion, and, and that's sound like yeah, weird. Um, so Zlatan, let's you know what we we we've done like too many non-Liverpool topics here. Zlatan thinks that United are going to get top four with the presser billing as at Liverpool's expense. Fair play. Um, so it made us interested to have a look. This is Anfield did an interesting article where they've been looking at, at, at April and the fixtures that the teams are in the battle for, for top four and um, in fact and top four exclusively they've completely written Chelsea out of it which is fair play saved themselves some ink uh, or saved us some ink anyway because you know we had to print it out and they just put it on a, on a website um, so yeah Liverpool Spurs City United and Arsenal and the fixtures that face these teams between now and the end of the month uh, and we, what I've done is we've extended it slightly because of course Liverpool's fixture against Watford was moved to the Monday um, so that technically technically falls within this category as well um, so well, I, there was actually a question asked uh, uh, from Gary uh, and Mohan who said how confident are we to win all our remaining games and a few people have kind of been asking about this about how, how we feel Liverpool will fare between now and the end of the season so I thought it was it was worth having a look we've, we've spoke about it a few times on this podcast about how it's more about how do the teams are going to be um, face what they're going to have to face between now and then because we've now faced all of our in inverted commas big opponents as it were we've only got <clears> teams left that we should Again, in inverted commas, should be beating. Yeah, I mean, apart from for me, the obvious one is Southampton because you know we've struggled to score Ooh. against them. Wofford away, um, that went spectacularly well last season. How many times have we played Southampton this year? Three times, and we've not scored. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anything out of the, these remaining fixtures that really that really stands out for you? Yeah, I suppose when you're looking at April first and foremost, I think that's the logical way to do it. Uh, the fact that you know we were talking yesterday about will Manchester United sacrifice the league for the for the Europa League and mm-hmm. you know maybe the fixtures for Manchester United go April the thirteenth they play the quarter final first leg against Anderlecht this is after Everton and Sunderland by the way then they've got Chelsea and then they've got the second leg against Anderlecht yeah. that game against Chelsea with three three days after the Anderlecht match is going to be a massive game for them I mean. I actually should have got Chelsea's fixtures because I'd like to see what their rest period was like and stuff around them. But that game could really end Manchester United's Premier League top four hopes. Wouldn't it be nice that one of our rivals snipes off the other? Yeah, this is it, isn't it? I think the Everton and the Sunday one, we we did this to me, I would expect Man United's focus to be fully... In fact, what's the gap between Sunderland and Anderlecht? Four days. 
So that's the Sunday to Sunday to Thursday, is it? Mm. So that's I mean it's reasonable, I guess. But they're the two games. They've well, got everything at home. Sorry, this is a don't forget Manchester United have got a game last weekend. Then they've got a midweek match. Then another match. Then another midweek match. Yeah. Then another match. Then another midweek match. Then the second leg against and yeah. you know they've got a really tough run. But the but the sorry what I'm driving at is Everton Sunderland can be a, a, the same kind of focus as, as ever. You know, they'll, they'll give it a thought. It's going to be, the decision I think is going to be made between, that Chelsea game is going to be decision, you're dead right, is going to be decision point for Manchester United because, I mean, look, if they absolutely piss the first leg away from home, if they if they come back to Old Trafford with a 2-0 lead, two away goals in the bag or whatever, as an example, then they're less arsed about the Anderlecht game following, following Chelsea and maybe they're thinking, well, we can we can handle both of these now, and that's the thing. That you're right in terms of they have got the they've got two games a week now for the vast majority of the season in potential. Anyway, it's it's how competitive that Europa League is for them, which I think is what's going to determine yeah. how well they approach stuff. Because the teams that are left in the Europa League are, let's be honest, they are piss. They are fucking piss. By compa- it winds me up compared to like the stuff that we've Last had year. to face whenever we whenever we do this. When we have to go through, like you know, even Manchester like United, Dortmund, Villarreal, Sevilla. Mm. Yeah, two thousand. I think back to two thousand and one when we had what, Roman and Barca on the way. You know what I mean? All those kind of things. Um, so yeah, I I agree that, that that Chelsea game. I think if Chelsea beat them, one way or the other, I think they probably do think. Yeah, that's maybe maybe that maybe it, it is all or nothing on okay. the. Uh, on so the I'm gonna league. go. I'm gonna tell you what I want from each of these games: Everton, Wayne Rooney on goal, <laughs> Sunderland, David Moyes to beat them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't know. I don't really know anything about Anderlecht or anything like that. <laughs> Chelsea's just do what they do and just beat and just beat them. Yeah. And, and Manchester City at the back end of April, another derby win for Manchester City would be absolutely lovely. Yeah. But if David Moyes and Wayne Rooney, if David Moyes wins and Wayne Rooney scores an own goal, I'm going to Pop World. Yeah. I. I. I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, the Wayne Rooney stuff Every less night so for a week. But the the Sunderland stuff, the David Moyes stuff, could not be. You're, you're dead right on it. Look, Man United will just will beat them because Sunderland are shite. But um, absolutely, but uh, there is something to David Moyes. Like the in just the play for a draw, David. Well, trust the, me, the, that's what you've been doing against Liverpool for years. Is Everton just play for a friggin' draw? The bit in Terminator Two where Arnie lowers himself into the molten metal and the thumb comes up. Well, in this world, it would be Moyes. He's going into the molten metal that is the Championship, and he just sticks two fingers up at Man United as he's go as he's going down. Um, that would be. Absolutely tremendous. I'm all in on that. Um, so yeah, like Man United is definitely definitely difficult. We'll, we'll we'll expand these out in a minute. But um, Arsenal as well because they've still got don't forget, they've still got the FA Cup, and I, I genuinely think this is what Arsene Wenger's clinging on to. Because <laughs> no, 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 because he's used this FA Cup. It's, it's been like his get out of jail cards and I, to be fair I think it's a law of diminishing returns with each year Everyone, the, I remember speaking to Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV prior to the first of the FA Cup wins I think I think it was and saying mate the FA Cup shit you know we, we, we'd love an FA Cup win just to get ourselves a, a little bit of silverware again but if you think that that's good enough then you, you know you're surely mistaken. He's like, no, no, the FA Cup's still a big competition. But and they, no, speak to it now, it's like if they got to the final, they'd be like, yeah, great, great. Whereas I think Arsene Wenger's seen the impact that it's had and seen the fact that 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 cup has kept him in this job for another three years, and he might be he, he's he, he's thinking. So again, don't be shocked if and and if nothing else, maybe he'll, he'll see that as his last hurrah because. 
again, by the time this is out, they'll have played. They'll probably have played West Ham. But West Ham Palace, butter all three very very winnable fixtures for mm. Arsenal. By by West Ham, a shite. Crystal Palace, to be to be fair to them, pull out a magnificent result against Chelsea at the weekend, and Middlesbrough are shite as well. So, but if they were to drop three points within that, that puts the that puts top four at a real stretch for them already. Um, or if they, you know, they could. It's not. It's it's conceivable they could draw. I think. I think. I, I think top I think four. Top four is difficult for them anyway. You know, they're two games behind us, and the they're now eight points behind. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't be afford to drop any points. So you, I think you're right on that one, mate. I, I, the, there is one wrinkle in the tail of, of of Arsenal's season. I think we we do have to expand it out a little bit further now. Their last four, their last four games of the Premier League are Tottenham away. Manchester United at home, Stoke away, and Everton at home. Now I could foresee Everton beating them on the last day and finishing above them. That would be really great, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but two games or three games prior to that, I think Arsenal are going to be the last team other than Tottenham to win at White Hart Lane before it's demolished. There's a narrative for you because they they do have Manchester United at home, but I think Tottenham are gonna uh, Tottenham are gonna win that one. But pr- prior to that, on April the thirtieth, Arsenal go there for the last time, and I kind of want to see Arsenal win at White Hart Lane, really? just for the few. Just imagine, just Tottenham fans would be just, their heads would just fall off, wouldn't it? That see, Arsenal were the last team to imagine. Yeah. If, imagine if they drew the last game on United and the last team to win at White Hart Lane was Arsenal. Bosh, yeah. brilliant narrative, love yeah. to see that. See, I'm actually, I'm on the, the other the other side of that because they've got, they, they, they just, they're so shit against Arsenal and Arsenal have just got their, have got their ticket, they got the number and I like the idea of like Spurs getting this win. Like look at West Ham last season when they were like, they were going down all this, all the Berlin stuff and it was like the last time here and they had a good little run, a good end to the season, loads of positivity and then they moved into the fucking soulless bowl of the fucking London Stadium. Spurs are gonna have to go and play at Wembley next season. Yeah. By and large, by by the looks of it, um, so it's kind of like I don't mind them. I don't mind them having that. But this notion of like, yeah, we're fat. Look, they're gonna finish above Arsenal. They'll be able to beat them right at the end of the season, and then they're gonna go and play in Wembley, where no club side has been able to have any level of uh, consistent well, success. Okay, there. I'll get behind that, but I want Arsenal to beat them in the FA Cup final. I want Arsenal to lose everything, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, yeah, I wouldn't mind. Because yeah. I don't mind them having a little bit of happiness, but I want them to have the pain as well. I want them to remember the Spurs fans. I just, yeah. No, I think it's again. No, I, I just want to see. I want to see Arsenal suffer. I got no. I don't care about Spurs if I'm honest. I, I do because I think they're in the best position to succeed after after Chelsea. Maybe I think they're in such a good place as a football club. Yeah, I would take any little. Any little wound yeah. now that yeah. slows them down. The, the a thing bit. about yeah, the thing about Spurs to remember though is they've never had any success. Yeah, I know. Whereas in some clubs having a bit of success, you can say is the springboard to, to to more success. They've never had any expectations of success though. So if you give them a sniff of success, it actually carries with it a whole new weight. That football club has never had to experience a fan base who expect them to deliver at the end of a season. So the more you start feeding those little things, you give them a trophy, and their their fans will be like, "We've got to win." the league next season I, yeah I get I get that it's, it's an interesting point but I'd rather have the whole conversation being about 
Pochettino hasn't won a trophy mm. because I know how much that hinders people as well. Yeah, true. Hence Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, no, fair, fair play. Um, but yeah, again, from my from my perspective, I want to see Arsenal suffer. I've never I've never forgiven them for 1989, and I never will. Um, it's the, actually the anniversary of Fever Pitch coming out as well today. Uh, I just saw on Twitter the, the 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 movie about Liverpool essentially fucking losing the league title to Arsenal. Um, good on you, Nick Hornby. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I, I can say the Arsenal stuff just because. I'll be perfectly honest I'm kind of get. we said on Social Club this week I'm kind of getting a little bit bored of all the meltdowns and stuff at Arsenal but I do want to see I want to see where it goes because if, if it's bad now imagine how bad it is if they not only finish below Spurs they finish outside the top four and then they lose an FA Cup final to Spurs I, I, I don't know what that looks like I've got no concept. Chris, they're fighting. Did you, you said your way, it's not mine. They got a draw against Man City. Man City, good team. They were punching each other in the face inside the stadium after a draw with a tie that could, that, that could still win the Premier League. Um, that has won Premier Leagues recently with chock full of world-class players and world-class manager and more money than than, than, than God. And um, I'm just... I know, but... I think I've had a I've had a few hours to think about the since social club and stuff, right? And I'm not sure that I want to see that. I don't. I think look at imagine now what's happening. Yeah. Right. What if people died? Like genuinely. Like <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we're yeah, talking yeah. About, like they couldn't take that. No. They'll be fucking stabbings or something, and I don't want to see that. Yeah. Like I genuinely don't. If you could say tell me right now, there'll be no stabbings. There'll be no stabbings, and everyone's gonna be okay. Oh my God, Paul! I'm jumping on the yeah, exactly. As yeah. long as you can guarantee, I can guarantee nobody dies over footy, which is obviously fucking ludicrous. Yeah, completely agree with that. But I think my thoughts on it. We like just, London riots again. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's just there's the thing is that we're never going to see this situation again. This is this is the last unique situation in the Premier League. You've got the longest serving manager now in 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 the Premier League. We'll never see anything even remotely like that ever again. And so, therefore, the fallout from it will never be this magnified yeah. ever again. So, I kind of, like I say, just, you know... It's like sitting down for the world's biggest car crash and, and waiting for it to happen. That's mm. what it's like yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're sitting here waiting for all these cars to enter the arena, like destruction derby this type is, of thing, and just sitting there going, come on. This is like, this, you know, you think about, like, look at the Godfather trilogy, you know, absolutely incredible set of films, beautiful, you know, the long form, amazingly produced, but, you know, you can you can sit down and, and, and basically piss away nine hours of your life watching all those films, let down by Godfather Part 3. It's an opportunity for them to really complete the truth, they're really completing if you're going to sit down and you're going to watch an epic unfold before you don't fuck the last part up don't rob us of that don't rob us of that Arsenal <laughs> I just I do I'm, you know the human part of me feels sorry for them and all the shit they've got to go is there, through is there a link between the nonce in the Godfather part 3 and Arsene Wenger Paul or is that where you're going with this it does a what a link between, like, you know, the the family incest at the end of Godfather Part Three and all the inter- intimations towards that and Arsene Wenger, or is that just a happy coincidence? I'd totally forgotten that was part of God, God Part of the Part of Three, if I'm honest. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more. There's a mad, there's a mad helicopter bit, and it's just a shit. It's a bit shit. It's a terrible, 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 terrible film. film. Um, mainly because the incest. Well, it's mainly because. Fra- is it Francis Ford Coppola yeah. put it, cast his daughter in the lead in the lead role? Yeah, he went like, up in a little bit of incest, like which an, is just weird. Like an op-ed. Um Francis Ford Coppola put his daughter into incest scenes. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of incest, 
Manchester. I know, I thought we talked about the Nevilles. <laughs> Manchester. Um, Man City, I, 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 from another perspective, because I think there's, I think we've looked at the clubs who I think are most likely to finish, more likely than of any to finish below Liverpool if things go our way, and that's United and, and Arsenal. I'm, inter- I'm interested in the Man City stuff because um, I think... Again, they've got Chelsea. They've got Chelsea this week, and I think that is that's going to be pivotal mm. to how the what whether we are Liverpool are in a battle for fourth or we're in a battle for third. If I'm if I'm perfectly honest, and I think if they, obviously if they beat Chelsea, the story will be there. That'll be two defeats on the bounce for Chelsea. There's a team now that thinks it's got it sewn up. How do they pick themselves back up again? Can someone like Spurs or, or, or City sneak, sneak in there and put the pressure on? You know, if, if they just put City, do what do to City what they should do to City. I, Liverpool's eyes should be firmly fixed on where they are right now. To be fair, in the league table, third, and saying, "Now nah, this is where this is this is exactly where we want to be." Yeah, um, I can see Chelsea turning over Manchester City. I can't see them losing two games on the bounce. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. um, I think that you know the fact that the games are going on. A, Exactly the same time is gonna. It's a little. I, I'm a little bit gutted that that's the case. I'd rather have played a day before it or something. I just put a little bit more pressure yeah, on Manchester yeah. City, but you can't. You know, you obviously can't change that now. We're gonna know going into that game that it increases the importance of the Bournemouth match for me, mm. and I expect Liverpool's players to be absolutely on it yeah. for that game because they know they've got a chance. Yeah. And again, it's it's about and you've said this for weeks. It's about not being in that conversation for fourth. Yeah. It's about being in the conversation for above. So people start not even thinking about you as in that. Yeah. And as soon as you can do that, you're not a target anymore and you're almost home dry. Exactly. I think the biggest, the, the other biggest fixture, I think, between now and the end of the season is that Man City-Man United game. Because I look at kind of in the way that City Arsenal ended up being at the weekend. Now we'll come on. We'll talk about Liverpool and Liverpool's fixtures in a second. Because again, these all of these things and all these permutations are completely irrelevant if we don't get our own house in order. But that the way the draw for Arsenal City and how that opened the table for us nicely. I think similarly with the with the Man United Man City one that could be. I mean, as we've said already, United may well be looking to make a decision around that point one way or the other. But again, if they if if those two teams draw mm. or you know either way, one one team is dropping points and again I think that's that 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 changes the conversation whether we're look whether we're looking up or we're looking over our shoulders, you know. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. For, Again, fingers and crossed for the that. city it comes four days after an uh, <laughs> FA Cup semi final at Wembley with Arsenal, doesn't it? And for Manchester United, you know, it'll be there. I think it's their seventh or eighth fixture in April alone. So yeah. you're averaging sort of three, four days rest all the way through it. So it's great to yeah. be perfectly honest with you. So let's look a little bit at Liverpool then. Um, as we know, Bournemouth midweek. Um, which we you you probably know the score of, but we right here right now do not Stoke West Brom Palace and Watford. That's for the well, as I say, Watford's on the first of May, yeah, but that's definitely this, this the the comparable fixtures for this these game weeks coming up. Um, here's the thing, because I I look at we we both kind of circled from the other teams the the big fixtures as it were the teams where we think you know there's there's, there's important points being dropped, and I look at I look at them and go. Part of me, part of me looks at them and goes, "Yeah, but like with us, we're likely to drop some points between now and the end of the season. It's 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 likely to happen because that's what that's what football teams do. They don't win every game of footy. Um, but for as much as I'm a little bit fearful because you look at the games like to be fair, West Brom away is going to be a, an absolute twat of a match. 
Crystal Palace, I hope Sam Allardyce loves loves trying to do something at Anfield, doesn't he? It doesn't always work out for him. And then you know, what what we got? You, you mentioned it there, Southampton. We, we've not had a great run against Southampton, particularly this season. West Ham away is not necessarily a, uh, even though it's been a good hunting ground for most people this year. Still tricky, tricky for exactly us. tricky away game. The, the biggest, sorry, go on. Go on. The, the comforting factor for all these is that even though I'm not, I'm not confident looking at those fixtures. I'm not uber confident. We need to start. We need to. We need to win some of these to make me feel more relaxed about them. The point is, we're looking at the Man City and United and Arsenal. We're circling the Chelsea game and the Spurs games and blah blah blah. This is just as much time chance for Man City as they could lose to they could lose to Southampton away. You know, Man United could could as we said could drop points to a Sunderland out the blue. Anyone Burnley be, away, you know, that's exactly, a tough game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Look, there is, and I, I think there'll be a lot of points dropped between now and the end of the season from from all the teams on these lists. And you know, for me personally, I think you highlighted it as well. I think that West Bromwich Albion game is going to be the hardest one for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You know, just how good they are, you know, from set pieces and stuff like that. The way that Tony Pulis has got them working at the form that they're in. Yeah. You know, they're in, what are they in, eighth in the table? Yeah. Uh, comfortably in eighth as well. Comfortably, and it, it's madness, but that's what Tony Pulis does. And we've historically struggled, struggled against his sides anyway, but... If we can't get into top four from the position we're in, we don't deserve to be in the Champions yeah. League ultimately yeah, because is. we're in the we're in pole position now. Yeah, exactly. And if and, and I truly believe if we can't get in there with those eight fixtures remaining, then we're not good enough to play in the Champions League. It's always the way, fine isn't it? With me. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely agree on that. Um, we've got some questions coming up in, in a moment, but the only Sorry, thing Sorry, it's not fine. But I'll accept it. No, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's no, not fine at all. I, I agree. You know. Yeah, you've got right. We've got rights to few, and you've, there needs to be questions asked. But you, this is the thing, the, the being philosophical about footy is that teams, by and large, end up where they're meant to, yeah. where they deserve to, where they deserve to get because football, there's too many football matches played in a league campaign for it to not be a fair, well, you know, for it to not be a fair assessment of where you where you end up. And now, if it was something like, and you you got outliers to that, like we might you know something freakish might happen and you lose out by three points and they, they're the kind of ones where you kind of go, you you have to kind of shrug your shoulders and, and stuff like that but oh the the random situation where we finish fourth and then United yeah, and Leicester win yeah, the European yeah. competitions that kind of stuff but um, it's all made a lot harder with the money injury though isn't it yeah definitely just the, the last thing on this I, I really wish we were playing West Brom in like another uh, uh, in May rather than the middle of April just because let's be fair they've eighth is sewn up for them I would like Everton to shut the door on seventh, mm. just to make it not a not a thing. I don't want I don't want them having to battle for stuff. And look, Tony Pulis is a prick, isn't he? You know he's going to set his team up by and large either way. But what we're going to fit, what we got, what the only thing that you can't factor in once you get into May, especially, is how many of those teams that are going to be playing in those fixtures that are done. Their season is over by this point, and and hopefully in our regard. For the likes of our, our final four, our final four fixtures in, in, in May: Watford, Southampton, West Ham, Middlesbrough. Watford should be safe by then. Middlesbrough South, should be down. Southampton will be safe. West Ham will be safe, and Middlesbrough will be down. So, hopefully, that 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 definitely plays into our hands a little bit, if nothing else. Whereas there's a chance that, like, let's look at Spurs again. West Ham will be safe. Man United, well, Man United. So who knows? Hull City might still be battling for to to save themselves from the drop. Man City got Palace, Leicester, Watford. That's a pretty that's a 
probably a pretty solid running all told by that point of the season. We've got rearranged fixtures as well, remember, so we don't know where they're going to come. West Brom going to come in at some point, yeah, it's a good point. Um, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs, Pass, yeah, that, that's not good, that is it. Away, away, home, <laughs> Arsenal away, Tottenham away, Crystal Palace at home. Yeah, that's tasty. How about that on? Yeah, um, and Arsenal have got United, Stoke and Everton again. I, I would I would bank on Everton being on the beach long before long before <laughs> that point unfortunately but uh, who knows who knows maybe uh, Romelu Lukaku looks to put himself in the, in Chelsea's eyeline I'd, I'd love it if they went to a red sand beach pool and um, Ronald Koeman got fucking ripped again by the Everton fans what's he going to a red sand yeah, beach pool yeah he's gone to the Red Sea they're like whoa go on Blue Sea <laughs> they're such fucking dicks Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. So, yeah, we would ask uh, questions, because uh, you mentioned it there, the whole the whole Sadio Mane thing. Um, a couple of people have asked questions regarding that. Joe Liverpool, Fridge underscore James on Twitter, says, if Mane is out for the season, how would you line up the team? And there's someone else who asked a very similar question. And I will probably, therefore, stumble upon it when I think it's the last question. And it's basically... Oh, yeah, you go. Andy Lennon. Andy Lennon, eighth. Without Mane, how do you think we will cope for the rest of the season? It's a smaller team's make or break period for the top four. Um, so let's. Uh, we'll start with Andy Lennon's one, actually. Um, I agree. That's a major, a major fear, isn't it? You know, it's very easy for us to look at the example. The, the obvious example we have of being without Mane... January. ...is January. African combinations... Period, the period of the season that killed our title ambitions. We won one in seven. Yeah, that that's that's worrying reading. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's worrying remembering how we played in those fixtures as well. Let's not forget. You know, there was a couple of good, couple of decent results in there as well. You know, I think we had a, a draw with Chelsea and a draw with Manchester United, but we weren't looking dangerous enough in, mm-hmm. over the entire month, all told. And um, I didn't particularly think the Adam Lallana right wing thing worked. Mm-hmm. You know, we're even more hampered now because yeah. we're not got Adam Lallana to play right wing or centre. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity for somebody to step up, and I always think back to I always ask you his name. 
the Mank Machida or something. Makeda. Makeda. And I always get it wrong, don't yeah. I? I think I always say Machida because I think of a UFC fighter called Lyoto Machida, who's the UFC light heavyweight champion. But a while ago, he's a crassy fella. It's cool. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I always think of him, and I'm starting to think of Divock Origi being our him. Yeah. And we've never had someone that I can remember, apart from maybe Heskey, at the end of one of the seasons, and it might have been the 2001 season, or when he first signed, was it in the January or whatever, that came in and scored goals between the end, middle and end of a season. Mm-hmm. And Divock Origi scored at the weekend, and I'm looking look, and thinking about the Marnie injury, I'm thinking, I wonder if we're going to get one of those players who can just come in and score some goals between now and yeah. the end of the season because we just haven't had them. Well, right? here's the thing because I think when we got into January, the way the squad was set up, I don't think it. I don't think it favoured us because again, there was a, there was a, it was such a congested fixture list for a start. Um, we had those FA Cup games in there as well, which we, oh, you know replay. exactly. You know, we, we had too many FA Cup games where we put out much weak inside and didn't do the didn't do the business in them. Um, and I also think we reached the point there where. When we at the start of the season, when players were given given opportunities in in cup games, they were going, "This is my chance to prove me worth." By the time January came around, everyone knew what Jurgen Klopp's first eleven was, and I think there's players there who went, "Well, it, gives, it doesn't matter if I fucking perform because I'm not going to be starting when Mane comes back anyway." Whereas we've got a run now where there's a chance Mane might be out for the rest of the season. There's a chance Adam Lallana might be out for the rest of the season. There's a chance Jordan Henderson might be out for the rest of the season. There's there's, there's a exactly what you're saying there. I think there's a clearer opportunity for a player or players to go, yeah, to one or two things. I either, I know I'm on my way out the door, Daniel Sturridge. Here's a chance for me to leave on a high. Here's a chance for me to, in his instance, there is a chance for me to say, I'm not playing for West Ham next season. Yeah. I want to play for, insert, slightly better club than West Ham here. Um, or, you know, or there's a chance for you to get a, a young player to go. Well, I've seen Liverpool being linked West, with X, Y, and Z. West Brom. Could you imagine Daniel Sturridge at West Brom? What a bad fit that oh would be. Oh, my God. But they yeah. are a better club than West Ham. They are a better club. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, <coughs> there's a chance for a young player to go. Yeah, Jürgen. You know, let's say let's say Harry Wilson is a great example of that. He's done everything in his power to put himself in the limelight this season. He, he's been captain in the twenty threes. He's been scoring goals for fun. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's something like him. I think back. I think the example, the good example for Liverpool, like that in a, in a, the opposite end of the spectrum spectrums are Vladimir Smicha and possibly Didier Man. 2005, Smeacher in particular, who'd not really, you know, his career never really caught fire yeah, at Liverpool. Took three, four years. He was just injured ago. constantly, you know. And when he played, he played okay, and then he was in and out. And then you look, you know, look at his contribution in the in the, in the European Cup final. And then I agree that there's hopefully there's there's one player out there who's just capable of going. Me, this is all about me. And I I agree. Right now, Divock Origi is the most obvious one because, well. Because he's got the weekend and he came on, and he's and he's not a, a bad crock, and he's he's the next in line. I, think, I just some extent, I just like. hope that he comes into the side. Going, I was robbed of the end of my last season, and that's knocked me back big time. Yeah. Knocked me back in the pecking order. Yeah. Knocked everything. 
I'm owed this end of the season, and I'm going to take it with both 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 yeah. hands. I can. It's interesting because imagine if he imagine if he'd been fully fit. Now I know it means at the end of last season, I know it means Daniel Sturridge probably doesn't get the opportunity to score that worldy in the in the Europa League final. But David Carrigi starts that game fully fit, fresh, having had a couple of games under his belt prior to it. Maybe let him maybe wins it. You go into the summer, Jürgen Klopp and and and, and Buvak etc. Looking and going. Well, this guy starts. Yeah. This guy's number one. We change our transfer policy. We change our tactical system for the entire season. You know, based on the you know, you, you, right? it, it, it could have been a completely he, different he world. He thinks that he's owed this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and look, it's about him proving that he can play in this system. We've not seen enough of him going to be going on the right hand side, so I can't see that that's going to be the case. Nope. Uh, you know, the fact that in January we moved Adam Milana there, we always move Roberto Firmino there when we make changes mm-hmm. as well. Says to me that that's going to be the way that we're going to set up. I yeah. think we're going to have Origi, I think we're going to have Firmino on the right and Coutinho on the left-hand side. Now, it's maybe not what I would do, Yeah, but I do think it's what Jürgen Klopp's going to do. Here's a, here's a question then, because I, in the absence of, you look at the, the, the almost the, the three men that make what we do tick, three of the four, Count Roberto Firmino is the fourth, in Henderson, Lallana, Mane. Do we revert back to what we what we were doing Last season, almost as an you option, mean go one. to four two three one. Yeah. Put Emery Chan and Genie in, in front yeah. of the back four and say, "Here's what we've got." Because let's face, you know, Mane's been a revelation, and, and we we desperately lack his pace when he's not there. But have we maybe got? Is it maybe a, a slightly better solution? Because then you can go back to playing. La- you still got a question mark over who plays that right hand side of the of the three behind behind the league, as it were. But it means you, you you're going back to. A style that suits Divacarigi a little bit better. I think that's right, and you know, I think you put Roberto Firmino in the ten. Yeah, you keep him close to Phil Coutinho. Your dad was talking about it when those two are near each other, they play better. Yeah, you know, they're always looking out for each other. They understand how each other plays the game and stuff. So I'd have Firmino in the ten. I'd have Coutinho on the left hand side. I'd maybe have uh, Divacarigi up front. And then you've got question marks over that right hand side. Now, personally, I shouted it yesterday. Why not right hand side? Could work. You know, that leaves Lucas and Chan. It's not a great two. Yeah. I, but if Lucas can do it on his own, he can do it as part of a two. I think yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think both of them would are actually slightly better than that in that six. The problem with this, of course, is that Genie's that's his, his best position is where he plays. I wouldn't like to see him it's this is the problem we keep coming back to it's short blanket stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. is that you 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 you're running the risk of totally fucking up what we do in midfield to try and bolster what we what we do in attack, you know, and again it's good I'm glad that we've got options because I don't think I, I don't think we'll see anything drastic, if no. I'm perfectly honest. Well, I think um, you know, when you when you look at the, the movements of Genie Wan Aldum though, and you look at the movements of Alpha Run Three, I don't think normally he's involved in that. But it certainly is something that he could do. So I'm absolutely fine with Firmino popping up on the right-hand side for portions of the game and when Alden to pop up in the 10 mm-hmm. because he's been doing that from yeah. the midfield position. So he understands how to get forward and be yeah. a part of that. It's really about Divock's movement off, off the front of the three of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about it all season long. Though if you're having the movement between Firmino, let's say Wijnaldum and Coutinho, and, and they're the three that are changing around, it changes the dynamic. I think you're playing with the ball in front of their defenders. You're making it very difficult for two banks of four to sit and block you. I think it could be an option. It's whether 
you know, it's whether Genie Wijnaldum can adjust at this late stage of the season. I'm sure he can. He's yeah. a very, very good player. Exactly, I yeah. feel more comfortable with him adjusting than Trent adjusting to a right-wing spot, and I'll tell you why. Because Trent's already adjusted to playing right-back this season, yeah. and he's adjusted to playing, and he's an essential midfielder. So asking a, a Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's in good form, and I've got no doubts that he can do it long-term, mm-hmm. to play right-wing... I would feel more comfortable with the experience when Aldum, who's shown me he's adaptable already, yeah. that he can go and do that. Like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's and, and based on what we've seen, I mean, what we've seen so far, it seems highly unlikely that that the genie will get yeah, moved. It, it, it does, um, and it seems unlikely that we'll see anything drastic because you, you mentioned it the other day. I think I brought it up last week. Um, I wouldn't be against seeing James Milner move back yeah. into the midfield because look, the guy was our combined highest goals and assists maker last season. You know, His corners that. might improve if he doesn't have to run up and down the pitch as much. <laughs> Maybe not too. Just knackered, like. yeah. But he, um, it, and uh, the question is, is that what? What's the point of Alberto Moreno if he can't come? No, no, no. But if he can't come that's in, been the question. No, for a I know. Of years it's now, for, I'm not sure anyone's got no, the, uh, the. But answer. if he can't come in against. You know what, 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 whatever, but Stoke, West Brom, Palace, Watford, Southampton, West Ham, Middlesbrough. You know what? Why? Why is he? Why is he even? Why is he even? I think, I think you, know, you know, other than the fact that he's not that good at footy and he's not that good a defender, I do think the height. You know, there's probably three inches between Milner and and Moreno, and Moreno and Klein are two of the shortest fullbacks yeah. in the Premier League. And I think that looking at the teams, your Stokes, your West Bromwich Albion. They're teams that will exploit those yeah. deficiencies, and, and maybe that's why he's not looked at it. Couple that with the fact he's crap as well, and you've got your reason, Paul. Yeah, I, I do think. Oh, I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think he gets. He gets. He probably gets an unfair amount of criticism, Moreno. And I think it's. Yeah, look, he's nowhere near. He's not a great defender by any stretch, but it's that thing, isn't it? If we're looking at short blankets. And you look at look, you look at the thing. It's not like our defense is great with James Milner in it. You know what I mean, one way or the other. So it's that thing of in the in the absence of if we if we if we're lacking the the key ingredients of our attack, then what's better off? What's better having the ability to score goals or the ability to not not concede them? And what would Liverpool most likely to do off the back of that? I don't think we we try to become a team that defends for our lives for the last. Eight games of the season, as it were, I wouldn't shock me to see us go a bit more attacking again. What it boils down to is, though, I don't see James Milner being moved at this point. I, I, I for me, I, I think there's two. I, I, I think it's going to boil down to two approaches. I think we, it's either going to be what we've seen already, which yeah. is a he goes up front and Firmino moves out to the right. Simplest is the simplest thing, or what the next one, and which is what I would like to see more is. Whether it's Trent, whether it's Woodburn, whether it's whomever, put coming in, yeah, you know, put moves. Honestly, Emery Chan, you know, put Greenwich in the midfield, put Emery Chan on the on the right, and play him a bit more that because he's done. He's actually done that a few times and toward the end of the games. We've pushed him further up the pitch, and he does that pseudo Kevin Davies, you know, wide target man, kind of kind of thing for us. Not none of these are absolutely ideals. But it's a, for me again. It still boils down to we either change to a system that suits the players that we have, or we put players who are most suited to the system that we know how to play in there. Because I just don't think the whole playing the same system but putting Origi up front has proved that it's that yeah. it's worked. But that because it is why it puts too much pressure on him. Maybe that's a good thing, you know. Maybe if he wants to be a Liverpool player, he has to t- he has to take that that pressure and uh, and run with it. I'd be interested but, to find out how many times we've started the game with that as the front three. Mm. 
you know, because I remember periods of games. Well, where... he's only started seven games in the in the league. Exactly. This so have we given her a fair crack? Mm. That's what I'm trying to say. You yeah. know, I remember the game against Manchester United when we were in poor form. It was storage up top. Yeah. You know, so how many times have we actually started with and give? Have we given him a fair crack of the whip? Mm. And you know, maybe hopefully he'll be thinking he hasn't. Yeah. And hopefully he'll take this opportunity. And let's not forget. We've got storage. He's probably going to be available for like 60 minutes at some point. <laughs> yeah. So we can use him against someone, maybe try and get a goal out of him for his 60 minutes before he gets injured again. And hopefully that goal could... I said I said a long time ago, I think storage has got something to do with this top four story. I said it months and months and months ago. Yeah. I still believe it. I still think that he could score a goal that gets us top four or mm. something like that or win us a game that gets us the three points. Daniel Sturridge will is, score a goal between now and the end of the season. Provided he's fit enough to get... Fit enough to put a fucking shirt on uh, so yeah no really really interesting stuff and we'll have to see and I guess again Bournemouth will probably give us a clear indicator there were rumours uh, before we were filming this on Tuesday morning um, that Emery Chans might be out as well yeah, yeah. Uh, so God genuinely no idea genuinely no idea panic stations um, next question then uh, at this point I'm now starting to think that Gomez comes in at left back and we move James Milner into midfield ooh ooh interesting done before yeah. Not to a particularly high standard. <laughs> not to a standard. <laughs> a fine standard. A fine standard. I remember not that 3 0 when West Ham beat us at Anfield, and I just remember him stinking the place. Out. Okay, so this question comes from Ben with Ben Coates. Ben Coates, our favourite. <laughs> um, some of the big clubs have capos leading chants and singing. Do you think this would help people singing if there's someone to follow? Um, I think it would help some mm-hmm. people. I think it would. You know, it's not something that I'm I'm against or anything, but I, I, I'd imagine that a large portion of pool fans would be, and I don't know why that would be the case, but I think they like the idea. I think a lot of the pool fans like the idea of just just being the organic, organic. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Now I'm all for anything that improves the atmosphere. To be honest, so I think that I would, I would definitely have a look into it and see if you could get something like that working at Anfield. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people would be reluctant though. I think I think we've got these already. If I'm honest, you know, I think there's these guys. There's guys you can you hear the same. It's all it's this deep rich scouse voice that started it like old it's always an older fella and I think that's the kind of thing I think we we have them without naming them or putting them specifically and I guess that we could push them more front and centre and I, and I maybe there's something to I don't know how you would identify this or whatever but there is definitely something to who are the guys who are the ringleaders who are the fellas who are they, they probably go home and away they're the guys who were at the front of every coach leading the leading the chance of the guys who were starting the chance in Anfield and going, you know what, mate, here's your season ticket. Thanks very much. You know what I mean? And, not, and you don't need to do anything as cringy as make him an Am- you know, do, you know what I mean? It doesn't need to be doesn't need a megaphone. Exactly, doesn't need a, it doesn't need a megaphone, this <laughs> thing, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't need to be anything over the top, but there's definitely something too, I think, finding out these guys who are they're like the the gatekeepers to Liverpool, the history to Liverpool songbook almost because they're, prob- they're probably out there. You know what I mean. The same way we've got. You look at what's happening right now. The the redoing Liverpool's museum and the com- Liverpool have hired this outside company to put this whole experience together. And they've got uh, they've hired Nicky Alton, Dave Kirby yeah. to, to help write this. And and, and you know for, there's I think there's political things around that. Some people like those guys. Some people don't like those, those guys. What they are is diehard old school Reds. Yeah. They've been through all the high the highs and lows, and they love the culture of Liverpool. There's probably something in. An equivalent in that in that kind of world, almost where you do have these 
like I said, I'd say ambassadors, but it makes it sound a little bit on the nose or whatever, but you take what I mean on that. Find some guys you do who are, then it's their responsibility. You give them that responsibility and you make sure it's a, 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 you know, this is not about people from outside of Liverpool are bashing at them, but there are, a, there is a scouse core to that, you know, of these of these, these fellas who, who've got been there, know all the songs inside and out, and have no problem starting the chance as well. You know, give her give her award to these fellas. I think it'd be be fucking massive. Uh, that's a fucking hot cup of tea. Um, next question: uh, Oliver Brown, Ollie Wally. Did either of you watch WrestleMania? And if so, any thoughts? I did. It's taken me like three days, and I've still not quite finished it, but I did and, and enjoyed it. When was the, when, when was the last time you watched a, a, a main event at wrestling? No idea. None at all. None whatsoever. Maybe ten years ago. I don't yeah. know. Maybe. What was it? What was it that got you out of wrestling? Because uh, we were when we were like seventeen, eighteen, we were mad, yeah. mad into it. I, I never really enjoyed the wrestling. Yeah. I enjoyed the soap opera of it. Um, I think that's yeah. I think that's pretty much true. Like yeah. The wrestling I could give or take. <laughs> One thing that annoyed me, and, I, and it's it's you know again, it's not been it's not a it's a not a main event or something, but. Raw going to three hours a few years ago, I I always just thought was mental. Yeah. I think, you know, they lost a lot of characters that were good. I think that's proven by the fact that there's so many old characters that keep returning. Yeah. I think they've struggled massively for storylines. You know, I, I hear people talk about the wrestling and I just think, oh, right, okay, so we're still doing the same dance. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of growing up in that regard and a lot of people won't like me to, like, won't like me to say that, but, you know, when something is written for you and, you know, I loved Friends. I'll put it this way: I absolutely loved Friends, but ten years was probably a bad enough of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And there's only so many times. There's only you can't. I can't stay with wrestling for thirty years. I just can't. They've yeah. not reinvented it enough yeah. for me to stay with it. I I watched it, and I there was some parts of WrestleMania that I absolutely loved, and some things that I was like, wow, that's that's new. But there was still, by and large. The, there's only so many things you can do within the ring. There's certain set pieces that you can change, <coughs> but there's this whole guy best guy gets battered in a tag team match and he's getting battered and he's being kept in away from his corner, corner yeah. and then he finally makes the tag and the guy comes in and cleans out kind of stuff and you still get the same thing for it. But yeah, it's like you know what it's like for me. It's Green Day, Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. It's Cali. It's Cali Punk and all that, isn't it? That's it's the same. Fo- it, they're singing the same songs about fucking the the, the moment. Not fucking the moment, Dad. About. <laughs> about <laughs> I think that's not. Wow, that wouldn't be very that's popular. Not if Callie, that was the case. That's definitely not Kelly. Maybe Punk, it by would. The way. Yeah, um, that's a, a little more hardcore. But yeah, it's that, isn't it? You know, it's about the same. It's the same fellas singing the same the same songs. Whereas it still appeals to the same, by and large the same core audience and stuff. But yeah, that's funny because I like that stuff because it takes me back to that time. Yeah. Hmm. And that's to be fair. That's what I got from WrestleMania this 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 week was watching Chris Jericho and watching you know the Hardy Boys came back for the first time in were probably they, since I watched it. Were they better than they used to be? They were not better. You can't be better because they're ten, they're fifteen years older. But they still do it good. You know what I mean? And the stuff that they were doing, it was kind of it made. I had no idea who the other guys were. It made it relevant f- for me to watch it, and the, I was like, "Wow, these are still these are still amazing." At what we do, and there was so much. You're right, the nostalgia side of it, I love us more than the actual the physical side of it, and it is still the stories and stuff around it that's the great part. It's the I've seen the problem is I've seen it all in a ring, so yeah, that's the, the that that's the thing that yeah defo defo hampers it if nothing else. But yeah, I I I'd say I watched it the first main event I've watched probably in. 
yeah, 15 years maybe or something. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. WrestleMania is always a good, always a good laugh, isn't it? Um, so yeah, Kez. Kez underscore LFC7. If you move to the other side of the world, e.g. Australia or New Zealand, um, would you be getting up at 2, 3 a.m. to watch Liverpool play? Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I've done it for American Fussy. I don't know what it's about. Like. Um, Hang on. How often do you, do you watch every page? Not page. Not, you not every one. I fall asleep a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on a Sunday, I tend to record them and then I tend to watch them later than they are. Uh, I'm quite lucky in that, that I, don't, I just don't follow anyone on Twitter that talks about it. And if, yeah. it, if you do, I unfollow you. Yeah. Um, so I think <laughs> I'm going to change the question slightly. I would now. Yeah. If I was born in Australia, would I? Probably not. Yeah. And if I was born in Australia and, and football was like a second thing for yeah. me, maybe not. It's, like that's it's, that's the that's the that's the crux of it. Yeah, it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes because I like I, I like other sports, but I don't I don't I'm not passionate about any other sports particularly. I, I can watch, I can get enjoyment out of cricket and rugby and tennis and you know a, a whole host of sports. I can, but I've never I I've never understood supporting something that's that. That far away. I mean, I get it, like I've got. It, I guess I've kind of got it with with moves and a little bit with wrestling and stuff like that. You know, things happen while you're a, while while you're a kip. But yeah, I I I I don't know that if Liverpool. It's hard for me to put myself in those shoes because Liverpool would have to not be in Liverpool. And if Liverpool wasn't from Liverpool, wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't support Liverpool. I'd support whatever was here instead. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I if if it is what it was now, if Liverpool just decamped to Australia for the whole season and it wasn't my job. Like I struggle, struggle to. I struggle with them during pre-season as it is to do a handful of games. Um, if I had to watch thirty-eight Liverpool games that all happen between the hours of midnight and six o'clock in the morning, um, nah, <laughs> nah, I just wouldn't. I would do. Which most is likely, we say. The most likely thing is what? What are we talking? Midnight and six? I'd be recording. Yeah, and I'd get up and watch it. Like yeah, and even then, I find that I find that easier. To, let's say it happens at one o'clock in the morning, I'd find it easier to just get up at half six and watch the game mm. than to stay up because it, if, you're, if you're a parent and you know what like sleep deprivation is about... You never get those hours you're back. You're never getting them hours back, whereas yeah. you can have a, just a chunk of sleep and then get up at half six and carry on yeah. with your day. I'll be, on, I'll be honest, like you know, following on from the WrestleMania thing, I stayed up and watched the first fight. Um, so I watched I watched Shane McMahon and, and again I was buzzing and I, I, I was like watching it through one eye on my phone lying in bed. This is not like you know that was that and, 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 I, and I felt it the, <laughs> I felt it the next day. It's that thing of I you know maybe if there was a, maybe if there was a, again it's lifestyle thing right here right now. No, if I was still in the culture of I love the culture of people who go to Boozer, mm. you know like the big clubs when we were over at um, um, Jocks of Dailies over in LA. I love the fact that people all get together and do it. I don't. I don't think I'd enjoy, you know what I mean? I, the idea of getting up and watching it on me Todd anyway, you know what I mean, is a bit it's weird. Yeah, isn't it? a bit, a bit I mean, weird. I, you know, I haven't watched American, probably, you know, I used to watch consistently those one o'clock games on a Sunday night. But it's it, since my kid was born, yeah. Robin. I've not I've not consistently stayed up to watch them because it's just it's just a lot more. Well, difficult. we we started last the last MLS season when when Gerard was there, and I said to said to to the MLS show, you know, I'll I'll keep a closer eye on the Galaxy because of Gerard and what have yeah. It's just not you know I know some the, the like the Sunday evening games are a little bit easier, but even then it's it's the it's the whole lifestyle thing. You've got to be 
you've got to craft your life your life around something. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I've always I've got nothing but respect for people who do that. By the way, you know the people who who basically fuck their entire week because the Reds are playing. You know, and they get and they get up and they, they, you know people are from Bev, at three o'clock in the morning, and you know. Uh, more more power to you because that's a level of fanaticism that I don't think I can reach. Um, but yeah, I you have you've got to genuinely be absolutely mental about something to totally craft your life around it, which I've done to be fair with Liverpool and stuff. But I don't know whether if it was the, if it was the other twelve hours of the day whether I would yeah. be able to it's, to keep up it's with it. Difficult, as much. isn't it? I'm looking at the NFL seasons like sixteen weeks, pretty much the regular <laughs> season. You know, it's it's only a few months. Yeah, football never really ends. You know, and um, you get to you, what you, you can do a World Cup. You can do a World Cup when it's in Brazil or something in the mad timings. Yeah, because it's it's a short period of time. Yeah. You can you can kind of do that. Like the end's always in sight. But the thirty eight, that's a long that's old slog. But I say, I, I, this is I think this is why so many people get so get more wound up or maybe people have always gotten this wound up but I think there's people get I perceive people as being more wound up by Liverpool uh, is that because if I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning to watch Liverpool and watch Liverpool put in a shit performance I would be ten times more angry about them doing it than if it's just part of my normal weekend I get up I watch the footy and go home thing and I do wonder how much of that feeds into the a lot of the online stuff that you see because this is what happens now you've got more people who, who are Isolated in these things, they're getting up, they're sitting on their own, they're watching a game, and they're being, they've got, they've got the, the the narrative being fed to them by the commentary, plus what they're seeing with their own eyes, and they're getting dead angry about it. And because you've just, you you, it's not just the, it's like taking that. This has cost me a hundred pounds. Arguments. Entitlements. Well, exactly, and it's it's totally and utterly if it's totally and utterly fucked your day off the back of it, and then fucked your week, you would feel loads more naturally angry about stuff. I mean, so you know, we've spoken about the I've spoken about the entitlement stuff at length on the podcast in the first few weeks, mm. and you know it, it does my head in that because no one's asking anyone to get up at three in the morning. Ultimately, yeah, and this is the thing. It's not that. I'm not saying that the the, the anger with Liverpool's being being shit or whatever is not right because we all feel it. It's just and it'd be hard it, from the outside looking in. It it will be it would just be magnified by the circumstances of, of your life because like anything, I've done things where I've gone. Is it that bad or is it just me life? Is it me life that's bothering me or is me life that bad or is Liverpool affecting it? You know what I mean? You can have if you're having a, if you're having a twat of a week and then Liverpool lose. Fuck me. You know, it, it it only again it only again magnifies, exacerbates how, how you feel. And so yeah, I um just as as an, an aside to that question, but yeah, as I say, brilliant work everyone who does do that because you know you're probably in some regards a better fan than I am. Um, but in other regards, you're just not because no one's a better fan than I am. Anyway, um, uh, thanks very much, Kez, for your question. That's really that's really really good. And just quickly then, because uh, we could go into this and we've done a lot of transfer stuff, and there will be loads more transfer stuff to come. Um, MDDZN on Twitter says, um, and I will rephrase it slightly for him, who do you want Liverpool to sign in the transfer window? <laughs> yeah, I know. How many times are you going to have to be just asked this question? <laughs> just that in, question in, in different iterations. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am going to sit on the fence. I'm going to say we need a striker, a world-class striker. We need someone who can come in and score goals. I, we need a midfielder, we need a left-back, and we need a, a forward of some description. I want us to sign Alexander Lacazette. Yeah, you know what? I never, a few months ago, and we did something for the stat show, and I am fully behind that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's almost like, he's that perfect mix of, he's not, 
he's not world class, but he's got enough experience. He scored twenty plus goals in his last four seasons on the bounce. Yeah, you know, and he's ready to make that. He's yeah. ready to make that step up. I really do think so. So, final question, and I'm so sorry. I have in me in my photoshopping diviness. I've cut off your name, Steve Cosmo. I think it is who tweeted this question in. If you're both Jedi, what color lightsabers would you have? This is really tough. I think I'd go for purple. <laughs> I'm sure Mace Windu had a purple Yeah, Mace Windu had a purple Why would you go? I love this fighting style. Do you remember read the book about his fighting style and stuff? And no. Maybe I did. Although there was like a waste of one a one off book I vaguely recall. Yeah, vaguely recall. and he he completely had this like almost whirlwindy fighting style and a kind of just a bit of an O to him to be honest because he's a character that in the movies he's there he's there all the time. Yeah, but he's not a major player and he and he really should be a major <laughs> yeah. player. People should talk about him like they talk about Yoda. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's he's fantastic they in the old books and stuff. Criminally, if, if if anyone should feel aggrieved by how shit the Star Wars prequels are. It's Samuel L. Jackson, who was so horrendously cast in that. You know, you could think of all the great roles. You could, I'm not saying let's have Samuel L. Jackson be Samuel L. Jackson. You know, like, I'm tired of these motherfucking Sith <laughs> on this motherfucking planet. But, you know, it's... That is a tasty <laughs> shit burger. <laughs> Some tasty Bacta. Um, uh, how does it taste, motherfucker? Um, but, you know, it's... It, it's yeah. Um in short answer, purple's a weird answer. It's not if you if you consider everything. I mean, look, it's it's <laughs> obvious that you could go light blue. Yeah, I mean, I, it might. The, 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 it just come, for me. It comes down between it's blue or green, yeah. and it's whether you tr- go for the the traditional of. And the, the reason why I, I my immediate answer was blue all day, and I was like, no green, because as much as people got uh, Jedi, still my favorite Star Wars film. And it's that it's the it's the it's Luke on the on the platform. He, he signals. He jumps off. He flips up. He catches the green lightsaber, and he just starts cleaning house. And it's it's that idea. It, it, there's something just a little cooler about the green one than than the blue one. So I'd probably just about go with the go with the green one. And um, yeah. Um, that that unfortunately for those of you listening will wrap us up right there. Do let us know though what color lightsaber. You, leave it in the review that you're going to leave I'm on gonna iTunes. Check on that fighting style of Mace Windu because it's Correct. doing my head. Absolutely, already, I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, on. we've actually got four more questions that we're gonna we're gonna be answering. But um, for those of you on the podcast um, and you you want more of this stuff, you can do the video version of this on the RedmenTV.com. Uh, the questions we're going to be answering are: What does Klopp need to do to mount a proper Premier League challenge and Champions League challenge next season? Who's the one player we've been linked to be most disappointed to see us sign um, actually sorry three more questions and now the Undertaker's retired should oh, Manning do the same um, yeah so those are great um, those are the questions we're going to be answering if you want more of the podcast an extended version go to redmentv.com and sign up and uh, again if you enjoy what we do on the free podcast please do go and rate us Acast iTunes leave a review it does the wonders for us and listen to this this is Mace Windu to Obi-Wan Kenobi I created VARP had to answer my weakness it channels my own darkness into a weapon of the light I mean what I mean now you understand did you I'm see I'm suited yeah. I'm suited to that fighting style is that, to that purple is that canon it. anymore it's just probably done yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, there you go did you, did you get ever get any sense of that from the prequels no no you did not fine, that you. was incredible fuck you George Lucas um, so yeah um, thanks very much for listening to the podcast this week and uh, check back here next week for another installment podcast 8 coming in your ears